T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Load up on... Welcome to Cody and Gold on 610 Sports Radio. On today's show, will Mahomes ever play with an elite defense? What was the AFC West's biggest mistake this offseason? And time to trust Trent McDuffie. Special guests include Dana Hughes at 11 and Paul Charchian at 1. Now two guys who'd prefer it if you left your personal grooming products at home. Cody Tapp and Alex Gold. Uh, that is true. That is accurate. That, that is something we can all agree on. Um, you know, we don't, we don't always agree on this show on no. something like no. you know it oftentimes we find ourselves at odds this is true not on this one no, <laughs> no. not on that one it uh, feels nice every uh, once in a while yeah to I just would, come together on something i was a little worried for your for your safety this morning um, for my safety yeah and and everything i watched not, him walk past you this yeah. morning and i was just rooting for him to say something i, I think was i was waiting. a little groggy this morning and i didn't even notice I was waiting for a little comment to be made. Like, hey, I saw throat. your. I was waiting for him to be like, saw your video you put out of me yesterday. And then I just want to be like, well, then don't clip your damn fingernails in the workplace. So you were you waiting. Ready. You were anticipating oh, a confrontation. I was ready yes. for you, know, you. What's funny is he seems to be the only person in the building who doesn't know. <laughs> well, is he not on Twitter? I don't think he is. Okay. I don't well. think he's on the internet. He's off grid. I'll tell you this: he if he know, if any of his friends listen to six ten by now, it had to have gotten back to him because multiple shows have brought up the fingernail clipping at his own cubicle. Only yesterday. to find out that there are other people apparently in this building who do it. We did learn there's another individual, at least two, uh, at the same station. Oh, this whole KMBZ crew has <laughs> got problems with personal hygiene in the workplace. Just don't, just don't be doing that. Well, maybe he doesn't have any friends anymore. Maybe they, he clipped his fingernails in public one too many times, and his friend said, "You know what? We're done with you, man. We're done with you, Mark." They're just doing it's it over. at the dinner tables. They're waiting for appetizers. <laughs> oh no! That might no. be the worst time, right? No. <laughs> at the dinner table? No, absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely not. All right, coming up at eleven o'clock, Dane and Hughes, former Chiefs wide receiver. Of course, you hear him on the call. This Sunday for the Chiefs Radio Network, we'll get his thoughts on Tony potentially maybe coming back, and we we mentioned McCall Hardman and how vital he's been in the red zone. What has Dane and Hughes seen from that facet, and uh, plenty more heading into the Denver Broncos game on Sunday afternoon out in Denver. But I'll never forget for a couple reasons. Last football season, uh, we had a guest come on our show that we've all agreed, right? Another thing we've agreed on that we'll never have on the show again. Correct. 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 Former general manager. What's his name again? Mike Lamb. 
Yeah, Ard? yeah. Oh, yeah. you mean the yeah. guy with the podcast? Yeah, he's got a podcast. It, that's exactly who it was. And if you remember, so one, not only did he hang up basically because he's like, well, I got to go, guys. After five minutes of the interview, I got a podcast to record. Didn't even get to the question. Didn't even get to the stuff we wanted to really get to. I guess that was our fault. Maybe. I don't know. Um, I, I So you remember that interview? What was one thing that I, other than him ending it quickly, what did he say? He said that with Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs will never have an elite defense. That's what, that's what he said. That was actually one of the things I do. I will always remember about that interview other than the other part. And then you take a look at some numbers that are out there. Uh, Scott Kaxmar put out defenses for some of these quarterbacks throughout their playing career. And you got Tom Brady, who now is having another season, 10 straight now, of a top 10 scoring defense. Guy knows how to pick them. Smart decision. Went to Tampa. He knew he was going to have a good defense. Won a Super Bowl. Can't blame the guy. He's not an idiot. No, you can't. But then you look at Patrick Mahomes in his playing career so far. We know the guy has won a ring, but the 28th ranked defense, the 12th, uh, the 13th, the 19th, the 24th, it averages out to the 19th uh, points per drive allowed. I'm talking about points per drive defenses uh, allowed at this point in his career. Think about that and then look at not only Brady, look at Josh Allen and what he's been dealing with. Like, I think there is some truth, Cody, to even Michael Lombardi's comments a year ago about can there be truly an elite defense paired with Patrick Mahomes? Will well, we seems see like it? there can for other teams, right? Well, like that's I think here's the frustrating part. Clearly for other quarterbacks, this is possible. I'll start this by saying if Patrick Mahomes ever gets a top 10 defense, it's over for all of you. That is the takeaway to have here. That if you are another team in the NFL and Patrick Mahomes ever happens to be on a team with a top 10 points per drive allowed defense, it's over for you. Russell Wilson has had seven of them. Josh Allen has already had four. Patrick Mahomes has had zero, none. And what's fascinating about it is the two times he had the 12th and 13th, the two best in his career, he went to the Super Bowl both of those seasons and won it one of the times. All it took was getting to 12th and 13th. And look, we know in that Super Bowl winning year that they were playing like a top 10 points per drive defense in the lead up to that. And what did it do? It eventually won the Chiefs the Super Bowl. This is to say that the Chiefs can't ignore defense going forward. And they haven't been from an investment standpoint, but they're not getting anywhere near the investment that they should. They have the sixth highest paid defensive line in all of the NFL. They have two second round linebackers. They have two second round safeties currently on the roster. They have invested draft picks and money. They spent the most amount of money on the safety position this offseason. The only position they haven't heavily invested in is corner, and they spent a first round pick on it this year. Their investment to defense to what they've gotten in return is nowhere near what it should be at this point. Do you think that it's possible, though, under Andy Reid, because we take a look at some of these quarterbacks and who they're paired up with. And is there a correlation between the head coach and what his background is in terms of offense or defensive minded? Now, I will always tell you, if I am in today's day and age of the NFL, I always want the offensive minded head coach point blank, especially when you've got an elite quarterback. Um, look look sure. what's happening out in L.A. with Justin Herbert. He's got a defensive minded head coach and Brandon Staley. I think that's a mistake. Uh, if they were to fire Brandon Staley, I think we all agree they would go and hire an offensive minded. Funny, he's not doing that good of a job of defense. Yeah, that's the worst yeah. possible scenario. Yeah. You have a defensive minded head coach and, and you still have a bad team. And look, that's why they can't make the playoffs with with Justin Herbert, and they're battling to try to finally do that because we know Tom Brady, New England, 
duh, Belichick, great defensive it's mind. Ten straight. Uh, Todd Todd Bowles, even though I think as a head coach he continues to make the same mistakes as he did with the Jets, and now as a head coach Pete with the Carroll. Bucks. Defensive-minded head coach, Pete Carroll Sean as well. McDermott, defensive-minded defensive, head yeah. coach. So I think that's my question of, now look, you're right. They've put resources more than Those ever. teams have the same then, number of Super Bowls but, as the Chiefs run. But, yeah. but when you have an offensive-minded head coach to the level, it, will we see that in Kansas City during the Andy Reid era? And I, I don't know if we'll ever see that. Now, I, I will still take this trade-off. If you're asking me, would I rather have the perhaps best offensive play caller slash play designer in NFL history? And I consider Andy Reid to be that. Or a defensive-minded head coach that can get you an elite defense. I'll take I'll take Andy Reid, genius play caller, best we've maybe ever seen. This is my hangup with Josh Allen. Sometimes he has been given back to back top five points per drive defenses and has absolutely nothing to show for it. This year it's actually tenth because they've fallen off a little bit over the last couple of weeks. Last year it was second, and his rookie year it was first. Now look in his rookie year. He was not, or his second year, he was not the Josh Allen he is now. It took him years to become that. So, in a way, they kind of squandered it. But I think that that's my frustration over the Mahomes thing. He'll be great for a while. It's not like he's definitively in his prime prime, right? Quarterbacks to me in their prime at age 27 to 32. I'm not worried that they've squandered it. But over the next couple of years, you have to do it. Because that's the thing we talked about with Patrick Mahomes anyway. Because on points per drive defense is obviously harder to come by if you're in Kansas City significantly harder to come by if you're in Kansas city based on the way that these numbers have worked out four years under spags. They finished 12th, 13th, 19th, and 24th. And in his first year is Bob Sutton. They were 28. They were obviously really terrible as we well know, yeah. but they, they have, cause it does like the way I read this stat. And then I look at like the years when they had the top 10 and where those guys finished, there is a very strong, it's not year to year. It's not direct there, but there is an incredibly high correlation between getting elite quarterback like, get a top five quarterback, a top 10 points per drive defense for the year, win the Super Bowl. Like, it's that simple. And with Mahomes, because he's been doing this, without that, he's going to a Super Bowl, he's gone to two, he's won it, he's been to four straight AFC title games. It really feels like if you got him near 10th, then it's done. Which brings us back to this year's defense, which is currently 24th. And that whole statistic is because they are terrible in the red zone gold. Because other statistics don't hurt this defense as much. But their inability to stop teams when it comes to the red zone is killing their chances at this. Which makes me feel like, again, maybe they won't finish the year top 10 in points per... But can they just be that the rest of the way? And that just requires them to be what? One thing. Good in the red zone. It's that. And I I, I think it's interesting as well when we look at some of the other quarterbacks for this year in the postseason. Now, this chart that was, was sent out does not have Joe Burrow on it. Uh, which I thought was kind of weird and interesting. I don't know why we don't have have that. I would love to know. Where, he, where said, uh, he sent a follow-up tweet and said he's not including guys who haven't had at least four years as a starter. Okay. He's so trying we got to wait, so wait, wait one more year or so for Joe Burrow. Because I would love to he know where he's. didn't include Burrow. Didn't or Herbert. I didn't see Herbert on there yeah. as well. Okay. Because that, that was interesting to me. Because, for example, Hertz, yeah. like Lamar Jackson, for example. Lamar Jackson, if you're if you're looking at this chart and you say, who is it more of an indictment on? What quarterback is it more of an indictment on? I would argue Lamar Jackson does not look good in this whole thing. Well, you Lamar want to talk Jackson, about a team second, that has failed their yeah, quarterback, right? Right. Yeah, we, no we, we always say they don't surround him with offensive weapons. He's had the second best scoring defense, the fifth, the fourth, and then the last two years, the 11th and 12th. Which is better than any year Mahomes has ever had. So this is, just to be clear. This doesn't help our argument, but in Baltimore's case, 
I would have traded a few of those top 10 scoring defenses for a few more weapons on offense for your franchise well, no, quarterback. It's like the but balance. That is, but that, like, you want to have balance, but that is my argument to where like, I will still always take what the Chiefs have right now. I will versus the opposite, which is top five defense, but an offense that is just middle of the pack. I will. I will always take what they have more. Yeah. In the perfect world, I'll take the top 10 and the top 10 on both sides of the ball. Duh. But I will, I will still take the offensive minded head coach. And I think John Harbaugh is a great coach, but he's what a spe- he was a special teams coordinator, more of a defensive and special teams guy, not an offensive mind. And I think he is one of the better coaches in the league. But I think we we've seen some of the problems. They had to go out and bring in Greg Roman to to try to get that offense running a couple years ago and make it work with Lamar Jackson. I think <laughs> I just hate the notion. Like this feels like the conversation we had with the Royals yesterday, where it's just like that we're supposed to accept Lombardi's notion. It's like, well, you know, I mean, you know, they got to put guys around Mahomes. I'm like, I, and it's not that they've had zero investment around Mahomes, right? They gave Juju Smith-Schuster money. They spent a second round, two second round picks during their time on wide receivers for Mahomes. They traded a first for Orlando Brown. They spent a second on Creed Humphrey. So for all the things I just said on defense, it's not that they haven't put equal resources into the offense. I don't know if we need to make this about Spags, but there is a point that, like, as much as we've defended him on this show, you got to find someone who can get you near the top 10. Because, again, it's not that they're not allocating resources to it. The amount of money they spent on Frank Clark and Chris Jones and the draft pick they spent on Frank Clark alone so I would is ask, significant I would ask, resources at those positions. I would ask, though, is that, is that's that a general a, manager? Is that, yeah, is that a Spags issue or is that actually where heading into next season as of right this second, 50, was it 51% of the defensive line cap hit is on one player as of right now for next season? It's yeah. Chris Jones, and we all think Chris is great. But that is that the right plan? Like, is that is that the right route to go? Are you going to get enough results? Should half of your money be on one player? It's hard because last year I put some of it like it was a combination. It's like Spags didn't have enough talent, but he kept playing the worst talent, so it was frustrating. Now the good news is uh, the AFC West sucks, uh, so we're talking uh, about the defense and how it stacks up in terms AFC of the West Super Bowl conversation. And yeah, they can lock up the AFC West with a win and also some help elsewhere in the division. Nobody's concerned about the Chiefs winning this division, but like. How is everybody so wrong about it? Like you could have Just pushed the division back as a whole. Like, you could have pushed and back. And we, we did at times with the national discussion around the division. Like, Oh, this is the Broncos. It's the chargers year. And we all kind of balked at that, but nobody thought the division would be one of the worst other than the NFC South. It's the worst division in football. Someone added me other than the NFC old South. exposed the other day, because Uh-oh. in Uh-oh. March, what'd you say in March? I said, this might end up being the single toughest division in NFL history. You fool. So, <laughs> well, we all thought we never was a we, little we, wrong heading in though. It was like, we had um, never seen a division with four potentially top 12 quarterbacks. Wow. Right. Cause we all were like, Oh, you know what? Mahomes. I've, I just put up a tweet from me from July. It said AFC West, totally overrated. <laughs> Russell Wilson will yeah. be the worst quarterback in the NFL. Broncos will be cruising towards one of the five worst records. No, I don't think you the said Raiders that. will Start slow, but then go on a three-game winning streak a little bit uh, halfway past the season mark. Okay, so the thing we were the most wrong about was Russell Wilson. Yeah. I thought he was being held back a little in Seattle, and there was no way that it would be a disaster. I think you and I Mm -hmm. didn't think that they were going to win the division. That seemed like too big of a stretch. We all picked the Chiefs to win the division. But... That they were impassable. Uh, except for you, <laughs> no, Nick. Nick picked the Chargers. <laughs> Nick picked the Chargers. But I, don't know, what you, I don't know what you were thinking. But the thing with the Broncos was they won seven games the year before. I thought, okay, Russell Wilson's good for a win or two, right? Clearly, he's an upgrade over their cor- current horrible quarterback situation. No. 
And I think the two things that I was the most wrong on is I didn't realize how bad they would do by letting Russell Wilson choose the offense in which they tried to run. And that turns out not a good idea. Some quarterbacks can do that, like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, but they should not have let Russell Wilson have the keys to the car because he drove it into a ditch. And that's where we were the most wrong. The Raiders, I feel like I was pretty close on. I said, ah, they're a passable team, but they're not good enough because I don't trust their head coach and I just don't trust their quarterback. Now they're five and seven. It feels like where they're supposed to be. The Chargers, I just keep thinking eventually Justin Herbert's talent will make them better. I'm wrong, obviously, there, that they'll that they'll take the jump to 10 or 11 wins and that the Chiefs just to win the division because what I can't figure out about the Chargers is how they can be so consistently bad on defense. You can talk about someone who invested on the defensive line this year and linebacker. They spent so much money. They spent money on J.C. Jackson and Mac. They spent so much money on defense, and they're still miserable. It's the same story for the Chargers. Now, I, I still think there's a chance that the AFC West ends up with two teams in the postseason, whether it's the Chargers grabbing that last wild card spot or if you do believe what we discussed yesterday about the Raiders, can they go on some sort of run? Because the, if you look at the wild card picture, we know the Jets have the final spot right now. The Patriots are on uh, right there with the Chargers, and the Patriots' schedule is far more difficult than the Chargers, if you take a look at what the Patriots still have in front of them. So there is, to me, still actually somewhat of a decent chance that somebody else in the AFC West gets a wild card spot. But this division is not anywhere near what everybody thought it would be. And you're right, on the Russell Wilson route, it was the trade that multiple teams would have been willing to make. And everybody had looked at the Broncos roster and said they got so much talent, now they got their quarterback. It's just the quarterback holding them back. And now the quarterback is still holding them back. Yeah, that's what's weird. Just the quarterback, worse. the quarterback is no, still holding worse. the Broncos back. Nothing has changed. It's just we didn't we didn't think we, their quarterback is holding them back still. It's just his name's Russell Wilson instead of all the other five or six guys they threw in there the last seven years and Paxton Lynch and the Trevor Simeons and the Drew Locks of the world. Can we claim a little? Uh, can we just claim a little ignorance because we didn't realize that Nathaniel Hackett would be this bad? They brought like, him because we had they kind thought, of an unknown. We didn't realize Nathaniel yeah. Hackett would be this bad, right? They brought him in because they thought. He would yeah. help them get Aaron Rodgers. Well, when that fell Russell apart, Wilson. then they said, well, we'll but go with Russell Wilson. Haven't we learned in the NFL that mediocre coaching can be carried by great quarterback play? Like, we've seen a lot of coaches of hang on longer than they should have because they just happen to hitch their wagon to the right guy. Nathaniel Hackett, we know, is not a good coach. But I also don't think he is – I think he got it we, – we saw what happened at the beginning of the season in the the – timeout blunders and the late game decisions oh, yeah. were like, okay, this guy's the worst ever. He might be the worst ever, but we've seen other coaches who are really bad at clock management, who are really bad at timeout management. And they just kind of get by because they're on a really good team. He is just getting buried because he thought he was hitching his wagon to a really good horse, right? He thought to himself, Russell Wilson, this guy. Yeah, we can, we can make this work. And instead Russell Wilson has been a bottom five quarterback well, in think, the NFL. What do you think? Here's the thing that's so confusing about the Broncos is, what the hell was their plan for an offensive identity? Like, did they have one let, coming into the year? No, or was just, it just let Russ cook? Let Russ do his thing. Yeah. Remember Russ, remember how he exited Seattle, right? He exited Seattle because he wanted to do things his way. He wanted to run this, this new offense that was going to allow him to sort of roll out and, and push the ball down the field. And he wanted to go under center, which he had never done in his career, which typically short quarterbacks don't do because – there's a reason why Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts and Drew Brees play at a shotgun. It's because it's hard to see over the line when you're starting right behind these six foot two guys. And instead, he tried to create this Frankenstein offense, 
And turns out he's not an offensive coordinator or a play designer. Because it's just because they have, again, the defense was good enough. That was the thing we talked. We weren't wrong about that. We're like, well, the Broncos have a really good defense. So if they have a like a passable offense, it's going to be a tough team. Yeah. The, the no. one thing that for a couple years we had discussed about the Broncos was like, well, they got all this offensive talent. You know, at the time they had Noah Fant and Judy and Sutton and yeah. Javante Williams and all this stuff. And that there was some truth to that, but maybe those guys also as bad as Russ has been, maybe those guys also aren't nearly the type of players that we all thought they were one fans in Seattle now, but also Cortland Sutton can't stay healthy. Jerry Judy has been a major disappointment. So you can blame it on the quarterbacks all we want. At some point, if you're that good of a receiver, you're going to step up. It's you're the same argument. A little. It's the same Allen Robinson argument. Like, Oh, poor Allen Robinson. Chicago's ruined him. He's had terrible quarterbacks. He goes to LA and he's been dog crap. He's been just straight up bad. That whole team's been bad this year, in fairness. But still, like, are we just going to keep blaming it on everybody else but Allen Robinson? At some point, why you is are Allen Robinson are. out here catching strays? He's because he's had a same, nice NFL career. It was man. the same. It was the same narrative, though. Like Allen Robinson been bad for a couple of years, and everybody blamed it on the quarterback situation in Chicago. And then he in Denver, everybody blamed Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, not elevating to those top five or top fifteen receiver I think it's status because, because sometimes of the quarterback. We see it happen. So you just assume that it's always the quarterback issue. You're like, I can see that they have talent or have a thousand yard season. What's going on with them? Like people thought about that. About, like Wes Welk is a really good example of that. He had played in Miami for two straight seasons. He was like a mediocre player during that time. He's like a 600 yard mm-hmm. receiver. He shows up to new England and then he's a thousand yard guy for like every year moving forward. It's like the talent was there. We just kind of thought. I also think sometimes you can just ride out the string too long. Like, you, when you were good, like by the time that you're kind of declining a little bit because you were a good player, not a truly transcendent or great player, you get on that team and it's too late. Just too late to solve your problems. The Broncos are screwed. Yeah. They have no possible exit strategy moving forward other than just simply praying Russell Wilson gets better. Nick, did you have an exit strategy, perhaps, just in case things go south on you? Have you given us an update? You're still here, so that's a good sign. After yesterday, were you spoken to? Uh, where you videotaped a coworker, there was a little bit of concern, perhaps, that pr- the management would be speaking to you. I don't like. You're what, still I don't here. like the way that you set the, the way that you set this conversation up. I don't like <laughs> that you just you set it up as I filmed the coworker, which. <laughs> That sounds bad. You did do that, though. <laughs> did you or did you not? Film okay, a but yeah, but, but there's more details and context that can well, help. We talked about that yesterday. Okay, so if you missed it, <laughs> yesterday morning, we are just going about our business, getting ready for the show. We have a shared bullpen with our sister station, KMBZ. There are people who stay here overnight, right, who are kind of by themselves. They live in their own little bubble because nobody else is here throughout the wee hours of the night. And so when we're starting our shift, they're ending their shift, and there is one guy who is not typically mindful of other people. Mark Lavoie, since the morning show yeah. named him, we can name yeah, him now, uh, you know? being, being in a shared it's workspace, <laughs> and this guy usually plays sound really loud. He has his phone on speakerphone. We thought he was maybe a little bit inconsiderate, but not a big deal. Then yesterday, as I'm coming back into the bullpen, Cody's sitting there. He's looking at me. I look over. We both hear a clipping sound. I look at this man, Mark Lavoie, and he is clipping his fingernails at a shared workspace space at a shared desk just clipping them over his desk over his keyboard and i decided you know what this is flagrant i'm going to film it (laughs) and then beyond that i decided the world needs to know about this so i put it up on twitter there was a, a debate yesterday as to who was more in the wrong him for clipping his fingernails or me for filming a co-worker and as of this point i have not received any sort of uh 
talking to. Good. Okay. No one, no one has spoken in to fact, you about your in actions. In fact, I, I'm more so, I feel like people are rallying behind me. <laughs> I feel like I'm getting stronger as time goes on because more and more people are taking my side, including the morning show, who I actually have a feud with right now. Yet somehow they're actually backing me on this one. I think this might actually lead to peace between you <laughs> and the morning show. I think there's a chance you that, outing this behavior is going to finally squash this beef. I guess so, because I didn't even know this, but apparently like they were, they were touting me this morning. They were saying I did the right thing. Mm-hmm. Good for Nick. He's a mm-hmm. hero. So this may be the tipping point. Are you willing to drop the feud on your end? I am. You know okay. what? I am. Okay. I am because That's... I did what I did yesterday filming another coworker and I'm not even really a coworker. Like we don't work together. We've never spoke. We just kind of share an office space. What I did was for the rest of the employees in this building mm. because nobody at Odyssey should be subject to that sort of workplace misconduct. Do you the health hazard? Do <laughs> we found out in discussing this that there are two other people over at KMBZ who also do this? Two other or just one other? Oh no. So we were told Name names. that Dan Weinbaum also does this. <laughs> But you might have missed it. Sam Stevie also oh, yeah. admitted just, to doing it. Just this. admitted it. And then in the producer studio, he tried to he defend his actions. He defended it. He defended it. He That's says right. he does it over I the floor. F- I forgot about that. And Sam you know what he did. said? He over goes, the floor? When he goes, he goes, <sighs> go in there. He goes, go in there any day. You won't find clippings on the floor. I'm like, Sam, that's because. Someone vacuums in there. There is a cleaning crew. Who comes in and sweeps up he, your dirty fingernail clippings every night. He claims that he he clips them right into the trash can. But again, from... He also claims that he doesn't have enough time to do it at home. Which is absurd. It takes... It is 45 seconds yeah, tops. It is a minute long or so <laughs> task. The fact that you bring clippers in your backpack to work... And then you use some acronym for stuff he puts in his bag that's with him uh, at all times. What is that? EC... ECD everyday carry EDC. Oh ED, my God. Which is that's how he put it. Not me. Do not put this on me. That's how he put it yesterday. So my problem is, is that by exposing this person, I'm now to find out this entire building might be clipping their nails in the workplace. This is no longer yeah, we're the only safe people who aren't. Uh, I mean, have you seen our restroom at times? So it's not exactly the, but it's not exactly <laughs> what we got the, the cleanest people all the way around. I need um, to meet. I need to meet with management over this. Please do. Yeah. Let's get them in studio. Let's ask the hard questions. Get, wait, you want to have an in, you want to interview our boss? <laughs> yes. Not even spec his boss. Yes. Hmm. About this on air about this issue. Okay. I think we should send a company wide memo. Wow. Company wide. You know, I'm gonna let you spearhead that one. <laughs> I've done my part. It's your turn. Take it from here. Yeah. Okay. Up next, something that we we said in passing on Monday, and it got us thinking a little bit more about the quarterbacks in the NFL and where we disagree on that next. You're listening to Cody and Gold, brought to you by Gant Asphalt and Concrete. For asphalt, concrete, and parking lot maintenance, Gant Asphalt and Concrete. One contractor, all things parking lot. Trusted in Kansas City since 1994. Online at gannasphalt.com. Subscribe and download all new episodes of Nick's Waving in the Week podcast, released every Thursday on the 435 Podcast Network and the Odyssey app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. 
you deserve Medela. If you've persevered through, you deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame, two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Medela, the Markable Fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Just getting started here on a Thursday. Danian Hughes, former Chiefs wide receiver, going to join us coming up in a half hour. Later on in the show, get you set for fantasy football. Paul Charchian of guillotineleagues.com. I'm sure it'll come up about how Cody lost in a media guillotine league this past weekend in pretty gut-wrenching fashion, I would say. So uh, that, that'll come Unfortunately. up at, at 1 o'clock yes. today as well. We'll also be keeping an eye on perhaps an injury update for a couple Chiefs players a little bit later on, closer to the noon hour after we know that Kadarius, Tony, and Joe Tooney were back at practice yesterday. We'll see if there's any setback for them, if they're good to go, heading into the Chiefs game against the Denver Broncos. On Monday's show, when we were talking about uh, Joe Burrow and just how calm and cool he looked out on the football field, and in particular on that third and 11 conversion to really seal the game. And it got us talking about, like, you know, where is he at in the NFL picture? And I made the comment just passingly. I said, I was like, oh, yeah, he's definitely top 10. You go top 10, top five. And then we were like, well, wait a second. Let's let's think about that. Like, where where does he rank? And where where are we at in the NFL? Because you look at all the new starters in the league this year. Another one today with Desmond Ritter now becoming the starting quarterback with Atlanta uh, as they're benching Marcus Mariota. Think about the new crop of quarterbacks even this year. Jalen Hurts is in the running for the MVP. Where do you, where do you put him? I'll be curious on the Jay Southland Toe Service text line to see where you guys are at and if you agree or disagree. But It was nine, much harder than yeah, I was anticipating. It, it was. 913-586-7610. I guess what's the easiest way probably is to start at one just because I think we all know who one well, is. Let's, let's put some ground <laughs> marks in. So, like, yeah. I think the way we try to look at it, because it's hard, because sometimes you're trying to separate quarterback from team. So the way we did it was – if there was a league-wide NFL redraft only for this season, not career accomplishments, not what they had done before, but simply you were trying to win a Super Bowl this season and you get your pick of quarterback, who are the top five quarterbacks in the NFL? Because to me, that's the top five most talented quarterbacks in the NFL right now. If you're And you're including some probably things like, are they good winners? Can they win this season? Are the things that go with it? So that was kind of the way we went. So number one is still Mahomes, right? I think we all, I mean, without talking, I think pretty obviously we all have Mahomes still listed at number one. If, if these quarterbacks were all placed also on the exact same team, let's, what, whoever you think is the best football team in, in yeah. the NFL this year, roster-wise. Chiefs, Bills, whatever. And you put Mahomes on them or Burrow or Allen or whoever, like Mahomes is still the number one overall pick here. I don't think we have to spend too much time on, on that. I, I, despite his head-to-head record against Joe Burrow. Patrick Mahomes is still the most talented quarterback in the league, the quarterback that I would pick over anybody else to go win me one football game right now. And I assume that we all have Josh Allen, too? I do. I do as well. Okay. 
So okay, we're all so the same one too. So that's why. So let's start I think this the top. is where it gets. Yeah. Yeah. This is where it gets. This is why super murky. That's why I wanted to start at one and two because I think that was pretty straightforward. Three, four, five, and then we can give our six if we want just to, just because like who's the right outside of it. This is where it's number three for me. I still went Justin Herbert. I, if we're talking wow. about if we're talking about talent level of a quarterback, and I can put him on a team that doesn't have injuries all over the place, doesn't have Brandon Staley as his head coach. Justin Herbert, to me, would still be my third pick. Put him on whoever you think is that third best team right now in football. I, w- I would want him still as my starting quarterback ahead of some of these other guys. So, yeah, I, I still am a big believer in Herbert. We've talked about the story around him that he's got to start making the playoffs because at some point then it is hard for me to continue to say this. But I still think from a talent level and when he does have a healthy number one and two around him, this guy's made Josh Palmer look good this year, okay? Like, so I don't put all this season on, on Justin Herbert. I still consider him a top three quarterback. This is where we officially take a, you know, uh, a shift. But this is also why I think I guffawed at the time when you had said it. I have Joe Burrow third. I don't know that there's a strong argument to put anyone else there right now. Mm. He's been to a Super Bowl recently. You just told me not past accomplishments, though. The, you just told me we're not going off. Of uh, that. No, I know, but he's but like you know he's went to Super Bowl last year. Okay, so like I feel like he's still capable of that. He's on one of the better teams in the AFC. He's having he's on pace for his best statistical year, so he's seemingly getting better as time goes on. He's clutch, and it's between like of all the other young quarterbacks, he seems like the choice, and of the old accomplished quarterbacks. And if I'm just choosing like, Hey, Roger still has a ton of talent. Or if you're a big Brady guy, still, even if you think he's still got it at 45 years old, I'd still rather have burrow. You made me start for even one year. I'd rather roll burrow this year than play with Tom Brady or play with Aaron Rodgers. So it looks like we're going to have three different answers for this one. Okay. I have neither Justin Herbert or Joe burrow. I have Lamar Jackson. At number three. Interesting. Because what I was what I was really looking at was you just talked about Justin Herbert and, and the different things, the injuries they've had to overcome, not having a great offensive coordinator. Both of those things yeah. apply to Lamar Jackson, yet he still wins at such a consistent level. Like, like if, if you're just giving me one season, I know if I have Lamar Jackson on my team, they're going to win 10 games. Because that's what they do. I know last year was a bit of a setback with all the injuries they had, despite the fact he's never had great offensive talent or even average offensive talent around him. He constantly gives them a chance to win. They constantly win football games. I would, I would, I would wonder what he would do with an elite offensive coach and weapons yeah. around him. Yeah, so no, I mean, so he I have Lamar one Jackson of the at three. best coaches in the NFL. Got the most but, out of Joe Flacco. I know elite offensive coach, but. It's not like he's not good at squeezing out talent. Out. But I don't think it's got, him. Greg Roman is the one calling that offense. Yeah. I don't give we John just, Harbaugh credit for what Lamar Jackson does. Because we were just talking about in the first segment of the show, you know, that I, I think we all think John Harbaugh is one of the better coaches in the league, but he's a special team slash defensive minded kind of head coach more than more than an offensive minded head coach. And so Lamar Jackson, I mean, Deshaun Jackson is playing wide receiver for the, you know what I mean? Like, so I think that, that's his best offensive weapons. weapon right now. Yeah, think of the, about that. Of the injuries. Mark Andrews, I think, is back healthy now, but but yeah, when but Mark, he he's been time. banged up. Okay, so that's interesting. So this tells you like, three different answers. All I'm right. telling you, this was way harder than I was Num- anticipating it. Being. So number four, I have Tom Brady still for for this for one season. Right now, you give him the talent around him, and I, some of it is also coming off the heels of what I did see him do in a comeback drive, which was against a bad Saints team. I understand that, um, but I still think that offense. If you look at his numbers this year, everybody would just expect like, oh, the Brady, the the Bucks are terrible to watch. They look awful, which they do, no disputing that. 
I don't think Brady's having that bad of a season. Look at some of the look at some of the numbers from him. He's not like throwing 10 picks and looks awful. Looks like he doesn't have it anymore. That offense just flat out sucks. The play calling's terrible. Mike Evans and him have not been on the same page. Offensive line's got injuries all the way around. So I do still put number four. If I was to do a redraft and I need him just for one freaking season, Brady still to me is four. I guess we'll find out if he's on my list later because Herbert's next. So I have four young quarterbacks, Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, and Herbert as one through four. I simply could not ignore Herbert's talent. I was torn to put him in there because he has accomplished nothing. His team is six and six and going nowhere, but I don't know. He's just too talented. So I, I'll just go ahead and give you both of mine because I have Joe Burrow at four and I gave him the nod over Justin Herbert at five. Now I know like when you watch them play, Herbert has more of the highlights, but I think that some sometimes lies to you. Like he is very, very talented, but if you're telling me one season, I know what Joe Burrow can do. I know that he has that that next level that he can sort of reach late in games. We saw that against the Chiefs with that that throw he hit Higgins on. So I have Burrow at four. I just think he's a winner, proven winner, and I have Herbert. I'll just trust that if we redraft that he would wind up with a better head coach and a better play caller and maybe a team with not as many injuries. So, so you didn't take a single no, quarterback over no. the age of 26 So years I old. probably would have, I probably would have Brady at six, okay. maybe, but so I didn't I, even, I, I didn't even think about it. To me, there was a very clear separation after the top. So five. I'll round, I'll round out my, my top five. I mentioned I had Brady at four, uh, Burrow five and Rogers six. That's how I ended up with my list. And then after that, like I, I made a top 10 just from there. And I, that's when I ended up with Hurst, Lamar two and Dak. Like Dak, you could have talked me into a couple of years ago, but he's on the injury That's train why he's again. Tenth, though. Who else is that? I mean, he's tenth. Like right now. Oh God, at, yes. No, again. Yeah. The, the this is why I think this conversation was so difficult at the time. Like when I went through it, like I didn't think it was as clear. Nick, I was like, Am I supposed to put Brady here? Am I supposed to put Rodgers here? For one season in neutral circumstances, am I supposed to believe that that's the case? But no, I think this is a little bit of case of Father Time. Yeah, Brady looks fine. He looks passable, but he has 16 passing touchdowns in 13 games this year, 12 games this year. He can't spread it vertically. They haven't been just missing all their offensive weapons all year. Part of their offensive line, sure, but they haven't just missed every wide receiver for the entire game. I ended up with Lamar at fifth. So Nick and I had the same top five, but in a different order. I considered Hurts. I was trying to decide if I was supposed to consider Tua. The problem is because we're not considering past accomplishments, but I also know that I have less track record with those guys. I have no history to know that Hertz has done it for four years or know that he can, but at least with Lamar, you know, there's some history to suggest that one year is not the entire story for him. And I know I got a lot of that for the other guys, but this to me was just proving that at the, the difference between Mahomes and Allen and kind of everyone else starts to look very different and that the talent in the quarterback position, the NFL right now, as much as I thought it was heading towards a trajectory of being talented everywhere, it's not as good as you think right now, because if you're like, well, Dak's got to be 10th because who else? That means two thirds of the rest of the quarterbacks in the NFL. We're barely even taking seriously. We'll get to Nick's notable notes coming up uh, in about five minutes or so, but yeah, kind of interesting. I saw people on the text line, keep sending in uh, where you would have your, your top five layout there for NFL quarterbacks. You know, I thought it was probably weird to do on Monday because the frustration with this Chiefs defense. But if you are looking for some optimism long term with this defensive unit, it has to do with the guy the Chiefs traded up to draft in the first round. And that's Trent McDuffie, who we all know missed a lot of time earlier on this season. But here's what he did on Jamar Chase. Whenever he was matched up with Jamar Chase, three targets, one catch, eight yards, and a 42.4 passer rating allowed. 
Trent McDuffie, we had talked for weeks about wait till he plays Cincy. Let's see what he does there. Big test, big test. Now, the entire wide receiver core for Cincinnati ended up having a pretty damn good day. We all know the story. The Chiefs defense could not stop Joe Burrow and company. Long drives they were able to get. But Trent McDuffie, when he was matched up with an elite wide receiver, he held his own and more than held his own. As a matter of fact, I think that's a great sign only for the rest of this season but why they went up and drafted for him. We know the the height discrepancy that he's always going to have against him. That's something we talked to him up at camp and he was on our show. He said, look, that's something I've heard my entire life. How does he make up for it? His smarts and his athleticism. And that's what we have seen so far with him as a member of the Chiefs. He is right on the hip of every single wide receiver. He makes, you know, he is so in tune that he makes no mistakes, which is the, the best news is we don't have to worry about him. We don't have to go into a playoff game or go into an important regular season game here moving forward for the time being and ask the question if McDuffie can hang. We're good. And we've asked plenty of those questions, right, about this cornerback grouping going into certain games. But with him, I don't even I don't even worry about it anymore. I know it was maybe right before he's coming back from the injury. I told you that by the end of the year, I thought we were going to say that Trent McDuffie is the Chiefs' best cover corner. Marty there. Didn't even take me to the end of the year, Gold. I already feel that way. I watch him play, and he's their best cover corner. I understand the idea that Snead does other things, or at this point is probably more versatile. But just from a line up a guy outside, tell him to close down a wide receiver, there is no one on this team better than Trent McDuffie. He's not a concern in any way right now. Those stats alone, the fact that when he was guarding Jamar Chase, he was targeted three times, he only allowed the single catch for eight yards, he got, like, Jamar Chase caught a ball over the top of his head the one time, but it was, he was out of bounds, and there was a penalty on the play, too, so it wasn't going to count. But it's, when he, when he did it against him, that, to me, was the marker. Because we had said this about the corners in general. What is it going to look like when they're up against elite wide receivers? And Cincinnati beat the Chiefs, and there's no doubt about it. But would you go out of that game and just say that Jamar Chase and T. Higgins completely destroyed them? Because that's not the case. That's not what happened. What would have happened if Trent McDuffie could have been available to them in the Buffalo Bills game? Do the plays down the sideline to Gabe Davis before half go differently? And in my opinion, they do. That's the kind of player they've got in Trent McDuffie right now. He looks like the goods. Yeah, I mean, I think we've seen exactly what you've wanted to see from a guy that was drafted where he was, the expectation of the type of player that he can be. And he has he has lived up to it already, and he was also behind the eight ball because of the injury that it suffered against the Cardinals back in week one. And so you wondered would that hurt his development? But to this point in time, he's been able to jump right in. And I think it's a huge positive for them going forward, especially if we all believe they're going to end up signing for the first time a corner long-term, which is Legarius Sneed, hopefully this off season. And then you would know, if you want to punch, you would know for a while, you would have Sneed and and McDuffie locked up as your number one and and number two corners. All right, let's get to Nick's notes. Nick's notable notes. All right, guys, big, big news out of the NFL today. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Uh, Y'all know what I'm talking about. Baker Mayfield maybe starting tonight. Oh, no. Something much, much, Uh, much. Desmond Ritter starting for the Falcons. Bingo. Desmond Ritter, the former Cincinnati Bearcat, will be getting his first start for the Falcons this weekend against the Saints. Now, the Falcons are one and a half games out of first place in the NFC South, the worst division in football, right behind the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who we kind of thought might have opened the door this past week or on Monday night. But then, of course, they had the great late game comeback to beat the Saints. The timing of this is a bit odd. On one hand, I understand because you're the Falcons. You're trying to make a push in a division that is wide open. At the same time, 
why didn't you do this two months ago? You knew who you had at starting quarterback. The idea that you were going to convince yourself that Marcus Mariota was going to go Geno Smith and all of a sudden have this late career resurgence seemed a bit foolish. And in fact, it's been painfully obvious all season that you don't trust Marcus Mariota. You don't let him push the ball down the field at all. I think because of how poor the NFC South has been, they've been able to basically get by and still win enough games to where they would talk themselves. Oh, we could still roll this out. We're we're tied for first or we're just in second place. Now that the Bucks just had their big win against the Saints and look, look like they're going to probably be able to end up winning that division, now you know that you're going to this offense is going to have to do more. And so, who gives you more opportunity to do that and not make you as one-dimensional? It's Desmond Ritter. Now with that, it, it, this thing can completely tank in the opposite direction where the Falcons can completely fall apart. Or what? what's the positive? The upside is that he ends up and he clicks right away and your offense becomes dynamic enough and you can go and steal that division very, still. Very simply why they're doing it is they're currently projected to have the eighth overall pick in the NFL draft in a quarterback-heavy draft. They want to find out if Ritter stinks. they got to find out if Ritter stinks and if they should use that eighth overall pick on a quarterback again. Yeah, but, Cody, they if that's your mindset, they're not if obligated. that's your mindset, you know a better way to find out if Ritter stinks is by starting him all year as yeah. opposed to the final month and a half but of the season. they didn't know at the time they were going to be in line you, for the eighth overall pick. You now they do. You so. Did you see your roster before the season? You should have <laughs> known that this was a very real possibility. <laughs> like, I, this is what the same thing that the Niners did last year with Trey Lance. They didn't start him all year, even though he had, I think, 13 starts in college. Give yourself as much of a window goodness, and, and as early of Thank a window as possible to figure out who your starting quarterback is. Because the more you kick that can down the road, you're just delaying the inevitable. You want to find out if these guys are good as quick as possible. But I think coaches do it to save their ass. Coaches do it so they always have that card they can pull out later and say. Because they're not trying to lose their job just so the organization can find out about a quarterback. Head coaches can say, hey, just wait. Wait until we throw the young guy out there. That'll be when we really kick things into gear. I think typically you're 100% right. The Niners one is a little weird how it worked out, right? Because you could actually say, thank goodness they didn't hand the keys to to, to Trey Lance last year. Thank goodness. You because, mean because he's not good? Well, because well, they got to an NFC Jimmy, title game. They went to an NFC title game with Garoppolo. And then if Trey Lance would have played last year and played decent, and let's just even give him the – let's go ahead and play along and say he would have still taken them to an NFC title game. Well, then they for sure would have moved on from Garoppolo. He ended up getting hurt, and then they would have had no backup this year. So in a weird way, it all actually worked out for the better for them short term. It's just – it's to me, it, would, it will never not boggle my mind how weird it is the way that teams handle quarterbacks. It's well, just sure. – they never just do the obvious thing. It's always like, let's be really creative with how we use him and let's hold him out. Early in the season, if you remember Arthur Smith, the Falcons head coach, he was getting angry at reporters for even asking if Desmond Ritter was going to get reps. It's like, I'm not talking about Desmond Ritter. He doesn't exist. I'm like, well. At least Desmond Ritter, it makes it makes more sense why the way he wasn't a first round pick. He you was know, third, right, third round. If, third round yeah. if you could let everyone have a revisionist history and you said, would you start them their first year if you knew? Like in Aaron Rodgers' case, they'd be like, yes, yeah. obviously. Yeah. We would have just traded Brett Favre and started Rodgers immediately with, with Patrick, Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes ruined it like, for everybody. Yes, yeah. of course. We would have started him. Patrick Even Mahomes been sat like, for a year, and now every yeah. team thinks that that's the formula. Or maybe. But if the Chiefs Patrick could Mahomes go back in time. was going to be an alien the entire like, time. If they went back in time, they got in a time machine, they're like, all right, right now, start of the season. You can either start Alex Smith or start Patrick Mahomes. They're like, uh, Mahomes. They wouldn't go the other way. They'd be like, Mahomes, we'll start him. By Fine, the way. Trade Smith is this going to go down as like the worst quarterback draft class of all time? Ooh, Let me list you some names. Let me give you guys some names. More of what Kenny Pickett does. Kenny I don't Pickett. think it's fair to say he's He doesn't have a done. pick in like a month. Yeah. Yeah. Kenny, Kenny Pickett's the lone first-round pick. Yeah. Desmond Ritter, Malik Willis, Matt Corral, who's been injured all year, uh, Bailey Zappi, Brock Purdy, 
Yeah, no, in fairness, nobody... Purdy was a stud. I, I can't believe you'd even mention him in this. Heading into draft night, in fairness, nobody then thought that this was a yeah. great draft class. Oh, like all the, yeah, like, at the time, we all were like, ugh. There's only one, there's only one guy taken in the first two right. rounds. Right now, I mean, like Kenny Pickett, I think there's the jury is still definitely... I don't think you can definitively say he can't be the guy. I don't think I can sit here and tell you already on, on Kenny Pickett. Brock Purdy, we'll just see what kind of story he's got. I mean, the guy just played two and a half I'm quarters. I'm close on Pickett. I'll wait a little bit longer, but I'm, I'm nearly there in saying he's not going to be the guy. I feel like a quarterback you know. Uh, nobody cancels early. quicker than my quarterbacks. No, I cancel them quick. <laughs> good he's man. been better lately. So, And they're winning <laughs> a little bit, so I guess I'll, you know. They won two in a row, right? I'll give him a little life. They won two in a row, I think. They just beat Atlanta, getting, who we just talked about. Getting Pittsburgh to five and seven, considering their roster, kudos. I saw like a, a Pittsburgh radio host the other day said, he tweeted out, like doing a poll. He's like, do you still feel like the Steelers are in the hunt? Oh, God. I said, oh, God, no. Don't do this to yourselves. <laughs> like they're five and seven in the AFC wildcard race is open. Like if you're trying to commit, we've got as good a shot as anybody. You should not be rooting for that, by the way. You don't want them to be in the hunt. They have no chance to win an NFL playoff game. Zero percent. So the Steelers' remaining schedule, for some reason, if you want to play along, the Ravens without Lamar, uh, the Panthers, the Raiders, the Ravens maybe without Lamar again, and then the Browns. I mean, it's <laughs> totally winnable. They're going to win out. They're going to win out. Steelers win out. The Steelers and first. Raiders are both going to win out until the week 18. It'll come down to week 18. The Raiders play the Chiefs. We'll see what happens week 18. Something like it that. It could happen, guys. It definitely could. Mike Tomlin's one of the best coaches in the NFL. He is. If any team could draft some scrap heap of a unit, at least to a postseason, it's him. Did you guys see the 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 video, though, where Mike Tomlin – so there's a fan, like, in the underneath the tunnel, kind of, uh, in the area where he's lo- walking back to his locker room at halftime, and the fan's basically like, hey, Mike, or whatever, and Mike Tomlin's like, I'm bleeping working here. You guys – you know yeah. the cut I'm talking it's about? Great. It's fantastic. You should, you should check it out. I'm going to start doing that around the office. If someone tries to talk to you, yeah, like anyway. you're going to say, I'm bleeping working. Yeah. Get out of here. Get you away from You got to do that for the next person. Just promise us the next person who walks in. Just leave the mic on. Yeah. If Carrington walks in. Carrington or be Rob. Carrington or Rob. All right. If, if one of them walks in, go ahead. We'll, we'll hit the dump button. I'm not leaving the mic on. Well, we, that doesn't do us any good. If you Now know. I feel like you guys over, over the whole fingernail clipping stuff and then <laughs> telling me to say the F word on the air to other coworkers. You guys are trying to get me fired. If you want me to leave, just tell me. You're the one who took another job at Arrowhead Pride. We had That's nothing right. to do with that. That's you a part-time took, job. You took another job while working here. Side gig. And you're, you are leaving the country. So I don't know what you got <laughs> planned over there. Okay, well, that's – I'm coming back. We sure? Are we sure? <laughs> yes, I'm positive. You're, you're planning on coming back. It's a round-trip ticket. Get, unless I get detained. It's Well, let's not go there. Let's not what? Go, let's not go there. Go what do you where? mean? Go uh, where? Let's not go down that road today. Uh, coming up next, we'll talk with former Chiefs wide receiver Danon Hughes and get his thoughts on this Denver Broncos team and how badly the Chiefs need McCall Hardman back. There's Kelsey to the end zone. Cody and Gold brought to you by Gan Asphalt and Concrete. For asphalt, concrete, and parking lot maintenance, Gan Asphalt and Concrete. One contractor, all things parking lot. Trusted in Kansas City since 1994. Online at gannasphalt.com. Don't miss the Chiefs' red half hour every day at 1130 on your official broadcast partner of the Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.